0: We'll launch out into a new study in the chronological order of Scripture. Brother Joe talking about the need to clean out the cobwebs. I think it's more like what it said in for me in Hebrews five, that uh, being dull of hearing, you need to be taught again sometimes. Hebrews, since it's there, chapter eight and verse eleven. Gonna bounce around as usual. Tells us in Hebrews eight and eleven that they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord and all shall know, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. That's a pretty amazing said we ain't seeing that today. Chapter ten, verse sixteen, same book of Hebrews. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds will I in their minds will I write them. That tells us that God created man for man to know God, to house God within him. Wouldn't have to learn it. Adam didn't have to learn these things. Why must we learn? Why must there be war? What's God doing anyway? God is allowing man to see the full effects of rebellion against him, what sin does. Can't can't fix it. No, he can, but he lets a man make a good fool out of himself. And we see the effects of our rebellion. When God created the stone, Stars, the sun, and the moon in Genesis chapter 1 and 14. He said, he put them there for a reason. Let them be for signs. And if you think about the Pentateuch, how that everything was meticulously and very precisely placed and figured in the building of the tabernacle, in the sacrificial law. God is a stickler for detail is what I'm getting at in all these things. Everything is very precise to Him. Not just a little of this and a little of that will do. Not just anything will do. Then we should study God's Word from that standpoint as Brother Joe's been teaching us. Study to show thyself approved. There's reason. God's Word demands it We should adhere to it. And the chronological order of things is just one of them things. Now in the Minor Prophets, the book of Hosea, the third chapter. Hosea chapter 3, verse 4. I don't think it's... I mean, yeah, I'm in the wrong chapter. Verse 4 of chapter 3. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David David their king, and shall fear the Lord in his goodness in the latter days. Many days without a king, without a sacrifice, the red heifer. Perhaps you've kept up with Brother Hilly's articles on the red heifer. That's the sacrifice I believe they're talking about there. This tells me it's going to be a long, long time from the destruction of Jerusalem and 70 A.D. until the end of the last days. I mean, he mentions the latter days there in verse 5. These days are all appointed. Every one of them. In the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, you've heard me refer to this many times. How serious was this matter? Had... Well, Christ said there in verse 40 that speaking about those that were rejoicing Hosanna in the highest they told him basically make the, rebuke thy disciples make them shut up basically what they're saying and he answered in verse 40 and said unto them I tell you that if these did, should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out there was something very particular about that day if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Had they been paying attention to Daniel seventy weeks, they would have known that was going to happen. Once again, we see a very particular number of days with the things of God. I mean, look, look at the world. Anybody that's ever? manufactured anything the world is its size and what it's made up of spinning through space at 64,000 miles an hour not RPM if one thing is out of balance something drastic could happen God keeps all these things working that's only the power of God to do that like I'm saying this is serious business well we have in the chronological order of things the beginning Brother Joe preached on the beginning some time back said by one man to be 4,004 years before the birth of Christ by another 4,172 now, how do we know? Well, you can gather s- some things comparing scripture with, s- with scripture. Genesis chapter five speaks about the death of Adam, and we can take we can say that's where it, it began with Adam. Well, did it begin with Adam's fall, or when he was created? Genesis 5 verse 1, this is the book of the gener- generations of Adam and the day that God created him, created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. I uh, thought in passing in uh, Matthew chapter 19, Christ made mention of male and female marriage as God created it. Which Christ giving his approval on the writings of Moses is the reason I'm bringing that out. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. The first two sons didn't say he was in his likeness, but Seth was. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Like I say, is that from that time of creation? Or is it from the time of when Adam rebelled? As I'm trying to reiterate, everything is very precise and very particular. You take one word out of God's holy word, and it's original. You'd be doing it a great disservice. God's chosen penmen, not just anybody would do. They're Jews. They had to be, well, as it says in the writings of Peter, holy men of God. Holy men of God. The book of Romans tells us that unto them, that's the Jews, were committed the oracles of God. It pleased him to use them, but nevertheless, once again, everything is very specific. Now we we don't care too much about the new translations for that very reason. The King, King James is not broke; need, need, no need of repair, like they want to tell you that it was. And, And the way it was written, it's clear that God brought it about because in the Exodus, the Jews that come out of Egypt in the Exodus were mostly unlearned slaves, would not have had no suitable writing skill. Moses was trained up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. We're told in Acts 7 and 22, he was highly educated, and he was the penman, and he used nothing of... the. The wisdom of the Egyptians in God's word, which tells me that yes, God indeed inspired him to write it. He might have learned many things from his mother. I mean, his mother was paid by Pharaoh's daughter to nurse Moses. That's that's what I call some of God's amazing. What do you call actions? paying someone to raise their own child uh, maybe it's a sense of humor I don't know the first five books of the scripture are called the Pentateuch Exodus 24 3 through 7 numbers 33 and 2 to name a few Deuteronomy 28 and 59 all speak about Moses writing those particular writings He done it as Scripture says, as I mentioned a while ago, Matthew chapter 19 and 4. There's an old saying, man would not have written God's Word if he could have, and could not if he would have. He wouldn't write about him, man wouldn't write it because it condemns man. Man's not able to write it anyway because man's not holy. In the, Matthew 19 and 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh only God could bring this about therefore they are no more twain but one flesh what therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder they say to them why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away which is tying Moses with the writings of Genesis That's God's Word. It all stands together. We've studied that before. Having determined the validity of the Pentateuch and its writers, what's the contents of the book of Genesis? Well, man was... everything was very good. Man rebelled. God promised a Redeemer. All these things Took place in about the year four thousand. Cain kills his brother Abel, said to have happened to about three thousand. That's thousand years, three thousand years before Christ. Now we're, we just read Cain's age, but we didn't read exactly how long they lived. They lived a lot longer in those days. Cain killed Abel. 3,000, about 1,000 years from Adam to Noah. About 2,500 B.C., the wickedness of man provokes God's wrath. It didn't take all that long. And it said about 1,600 years after the creation of man, or around 2,500 years before Christ, was the Great Flood. And that Great Flood, we've... Read That's in the book of Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8. This is the beginning period of time. It's an era. Now, the days of the creative week, anytime there's a number in front of a day, it's a literal day. Like the first day of the week, that's a first day. The third day is the third day. First day of the week is our Lord's Day. It's a Sunday monday's the second day but when it scripture speaks about the day of the lord it can be speaking about a period of time we have to rightly divide god's word we read of actions and accounts of men in scripture things that took place but like i say this is the beginning of time because time did not exist until God created the heavens and the earth, and that's in the beginning. It's Genesis chapter one, and with the creation of man, also, of course, I'm I'm passing over the creation of plant life, animal life, and the like. we just read it briefly there about marriage. All these things happened early. Then death came. Now, man, when he rebelled against God, died spiritually. Because we're told Adam lived to be 930 years, and God had already said, The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That death was spiritual death, and the physical death commenced. Like I say, that's the beginning of death. Now they'll try with carbon dating to prove man's this this bone here is forty thousand, three million years old, whatever the like. But that's not accurate. First of all, God never made the world up to that point to die. There was no, there was no death, as I guess is what I'm saying. They're they're assuming that death was and death. It hadn't begun yet. But in Genesis chapter three, he promised the Redeemer. And that the period of time from that time till the fullness of time was was a one period that I'm really trying to ascertain. I'm not ascertained, but Spell out, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's the promise of the Redeemer. And Eve thought that the first child that she had was that Redeemer. Verse 1 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord the Redeemer so she seemed to think and of course he was the first murderer then for thousands of years the flood Shem, Ham, and Japheth overspreading the world the Tower of Babel Abram goes to Egypt the famine that Abraham experienced Abraham and Lot parting ways. These are just details. On down until the fullness of time. In the book of Galatians, 4,000, either 4,004 or 4,172 years later. Verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, we don't know the details exactly of that fullness of time, but according to God's Word, it was a fullness of time. It meant it was a specific time that was going to come to pass. Nothing was going to stop it or change it. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. But he made a point in time to send forth his Son to redeem the fallen man, the fallen creation. All that was written about him was the, the Old Testament. If you think about what. Writings they had during Christ's earthly ministry, all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament writings. What was it Christ said there? The Gospel of Luke, the twenty fourth chapter, twenty seventh verse, those he was walking with a couple of men that and of course he was carrying on a conversation with them. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the, the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That's a, Amazing period of time. You have the creation, the beginning, and the fullness of time when that promised Redeemer comes. Then there's another point of time. Now, this is just a really brief overview. Turn over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. verse 14 and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island moved out of their place let's roll up the scroll the story's over oh god's not going to be he's going to go on into eternity but this is what we see the redeemer was promised he came pay to what we couldn't pay. And he's gonna return. And of course, we know at his return, there's the battle of Armageddon. Many things that's gonna to come to pass, but what I'm talking about, there's gonna be a judgment. There's a judgment day coming. When this, after the story is over. Now, everybody knows that the judgment's going to be a fire. Well, back to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter tells us our God is a consuming fire. Not one sin will be missed or transgression unless it's... Is paid for by Christ. As we know, the sinner substitute must pay that ransom, or the sinner himself must pay that ransom. There's things that we look for. We live in these bodies. And the older we get, we're looking more and more forward to the Lord's return. Now, when we're young, I I, I want to experience life for a while. As we live those days of life for a while, the aches, the pains, the, the things that don't go right, our sinful ways, we look more and more forward to the Lord's return. We walk upon a ball of fire. I mean, what they tell us is in the center of the earth. There's a reason I'm mentioning that. Tells us the fire is in the center of the earth. We breathe oxygen, which is highly flammable. We're a heartbeat away from eternity is what I'm saying. Now, with all these things we've looked at thus far, it's a serious business, isn't it? But a day to our Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. We we just see that day approaching. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? In all holy conversation and godliness, the, the, the chief point about all these things is it he t- teaches us to l- live holy lives, be, be like our master. And after all, what I mentioned at the outset, what is God doing? God is fitting out a kingdom. He's making a bunch of people like his son. We're told in the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, we're to be conformed into his image. That's what's behind all of it. Why don't we experience the trials to make us more like his son? I mean, it's our nature. We want the good things. We don't want to have to suffer. The one we're being conformed to his image, he suffered. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation. We're going to have tribulation. All to make us like him. There's that saying, God only had one son and loved him so much he wanted to make a multitude just like him. See, as usual getting out of line with my notes. Now... There's things that, or reasons that we're looking forward to that return of the Lord, return of the Redeemer's return. After all, the world is moaning and groaning under the weight of sin. That's also brought out in the book of Romans. And I'm looking straight at it. verse 23 of chapter 8. How did I miss that? Tells us even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth what doth he yet hope for? We live in a world that we like tangible, I, I guess you'd say, items. Things we can touch, feel, hold, taste. That's the world of sight. We covet things by sight. Was not the side of the eyes that got us in the trouble we're in, in the first place. Eve looked upon the fruit and it looked good to eat and something to make her wise. And of course, we've lived with the results ever since. But now we see faith. The faith begins back with Noah. The world was wicked man's imagination the thoughts of his heart was all up upon wickedness and this didn't happen real far off after the creation either how could that be when man witnessed God and the great creation that was how could man rebel against God well Adam did But then came faith. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. This goes back a thousand years maybe, but not really that far seeing how man lived to be... At a very advanced age. What do we read about Noah in the book of Hebrews? Noah was moved with fear. Noah by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen. They hadn't seen rain, they didn't know of any flood. It didn't sound right to them. But Noah took God at His word. That's faith. When you think about the chronological things, well, talking about the flood, it happened about 2,500 B.C., and of course the flood subsided, and within a year they were off the. The ark they walked out into a totally different world they walked out into a world where the wicked were gone but for a spell where did the wicked come from then it didn't take very long you had one man named Nimrod then Shem Ham and Japheth overspread the earth we know what happened with Ham and wasn't very long before the world was wicked once again. Anyway, these are just a few of the things that we need to study. The chronological order of Scripture is a very important thing. It's interesting, I guess you might say from a just a human standpoint, but God put these things in a chronological order for very good reason That's about as far as I'm going to be able to proceed today and Lord willing we'll take up studying somewhere about the flood the next next Lord's Day that's all I have for today